our podcast this week, we grab hold of the Infinity Gauntlet and use it to compel directors Anthony and Joe Russo to talk to us about Avengers Infinity War. Plus, all the usual news and nonsense on the movie podcast. I can't believe Thanos got two away goals. Could prove crucial in the second leg. Hello, Pod. I'm Chris Hewitt. Welcome to the Empire Podcast, which once again this week is brought to you by those wonderful chaps and chapeaus at Sky Cinema, the dedicated home for movie lovers. Later in the show, I'll be pointing out a couple of movies that you can watch on Sky Cinema, just two from the array of films, over a thousand, that are available on demand on Sky Cinema, including a brand new premiere every single day of the week. How exciting. Now, this week, I'm joined by two colleagues of such lethal cunning. First up is our geek queen, and also doubling up this week as the queen of squee. <laughs> Dear God, Helen O'Hara. Hello. How are you? I'm 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 very tired because I went to see a midnight screening. Oh, you did the midnight screening. I did the midnight screening. Okay, I bailed on the midnight screening. You were possibly wise. Last Do you know night. what? Um, cinemas that decide to show the full range of adverts and nonsensical little rubbish inner bits that they've made themselves before a midnight screening should be shot. <laughs> I mean... Cinemas should be shot. Cinemas themselves should... Okay, that doesn't make a lot of sense. But I'm sleep-deprived because I had to sit out for 25 minutes after after yeah. midnight, which yeah. is already like two hours after my bedtime. Yes. Watching, <laughs> you know, ridiculous ads for nothing. Yeah. Oh. What was your favourite advert? Uh, we'll get into it I don't have any favourite adverts because I refuse them all. And if I mm. see any of them, I will refuse to buy them, even if I want them. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Jimbo Dyer. Hello. The uh, who, who, as I so correctly say, is our West Wing guru and king of well, not so much squee as more of like a kind of oh, existential oh, the king of meh. Yeah, king. Uh, but not not in relation to the, the film we're talking. No, 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 no. Not at Just all. in general, you have a very meh attitude towards life. You, how can I say this without being insulting? Drain the life from me. <laughs> I do. Thank, I God, do. thank God you find a non-insulting way <laughs> yeah. to say that. Yeah, thanks, Chris. That's uh, you didn't go see Avengers at uh, midnight? I did not go and see it at midnight, but I did see it on the Tuesday night and then again with you immediately following that. Uh, on well, not immediately. The Wednesday morning. Because immediately would have been 10 o'clock that night. That's true. I mean, it was very difficult for me to go to the screening knowing that I was missing the Liverpool-Rome game. <laughs> um, and, you know, and obviously I was checking the score throughout the film. Yep. To make sure that us Reds That's, were, yes. were I believe they might have been in an away kit. I don't know. What's their other kit? What, what's the other colour? Is it red? Is the Ooh. other one red? Liverpool. Liverpool. When they play away, what, what colour do they play? Oh, well, well this season they play away oh, in a sort of green and white combination. A simple one word answer or, with a colour would be fine. Or the third kit is a beautiful uh, orange Hang number. Hang on. A third kit. Hang on. So, green, so, white, and orange. So they have a home <laughs> kit, they have an away kit, and they have a third kit for Sunday best. Uh, so what happens is if you are playing a team that has red and you're away from home, uh, you can't wear something that clashes with them. And if they have white on their kit as well or green on their kit, which is very unlikely, then you can use your... That's when you use your third kit. Yeah, so they um, use the reality kit mainly and then they have the time kit for when they visit people. Well, the soul, and the power kit. The power yeah, yeah. kit is very important. And oh. uh, believe me, it was... Uh, yeah, I, I, yes. um, as people will know who've been listening to the podcast the last couple of weeks, I had a dilemma. Do I watch Avengers Infinity War for the first time or do I watch Liverpool play Roma in the first leg of the Champions League semi-final? Uh, as it turned out, I really did neither. Uh, <laughs> I Because the, the gods scheduled a phone interview uh, directly against both. 
And so I watched half an hour of the Liverpool game because the phoner w- w- ran really late. And ironically, I went to see Infinity War with David Morrissey, so that was, uh, that was, that was fun. <laughs> and, he was and loving it. If there are any Disney security people listening, I would like to make clear that, Chris, uh, that James was not actually checking his phone. Yeah. No, he wasn't. Film. Not least because I don't care. But, can I just uh, say, Jimbo, it was really, really helpful of you to actually film Infinity War for us. <laughs> so that you could watch it after. And send yeah, it to me. No, you're I, welcome. I felt it lost a little something. Like, yeah. I hear people like chewing popcorn and stuff <laughs> and then a big burly bloke came across and asked you to, you know. Yeah. <laughs> no, of course not. And that the was Empire Thanos. Podcast, <laughs> our podcast does not condone piracy. Video piracy is a crime. Do not Do accept, not accept it. it. If you know anyone who pirates a video, <laughs> dob them in because you can get up to a grand. Oh, really? Oh, no. Yeah, that's how I paid my way through university. <laughs> anyway, uh, welcome both. Uh, should we have a question? Yes. Certainly. Please. Here's a good question. This is from Lionel32 via the medium of Twitter. And Don't he, get enough Thundercats writing into the podcast. <laughs> he says, Schnarf! He says, <laughs> with the Infinity War premiere having just taken place, what's your favourite ever movie premiere experience taking into account celeb encounters, audience reception, freebies, <laughs> General oh excitement, etc. Um, we may be the wrong people to ask because, yeah. by and large, we don't go to movie premieres, at least not anymore. Well, mainly we don't get invited, but. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and who yeah. can blame them? But also, we've already seen the films, and oftentimes, I'm, and this, this is the worst kind of my diamond shoes are two type oh, situation. Oh, yeah, there's going to be an incredible like, amount of. I mean, it's, it's just, I, I know I'm the worst person alive for saying this, but they're a pain in the arse because you have to you have to sit in your seat waiting for the celebrities to arrive so you're maybe seated for like an hour before the film starts and it'd be allocated seating so you can't like pick a really good seat you're just at the mercy of whatever seat you're given and let's be honest even if we're invited we're given quite bad seats yeah. because we're not very important whereas like when Speak we went to the Infinity War <laughs> Multimedia we were there like two, two hours before the doors opened and we got the best seats in the house we did I was planning to queue up from 3pm I, bet you I was there at 3pm were you there at 3pm? Mm-hmm. And people were ahead of you. Um, uh, yes, fans who were at the fan screening, mm-hmm. and there were only four of them ahead of me, and scum. then they all had friends. Sub-human so then there were twenty scum. people ahead of me. I turned up about half past eight, and then used the eye of Agamotto to sort of go back in time and, <laughs> and get a good seat. It was, it was useful. All right. Um, favorite premiere experience? Well, Helen and I have an ad- advantage slash disadvantage here in that we have both spent many hours in the trenches covering premieres uh, for the website we in did. in our in our back early in days, the day. and I have done. So many premieres. I mean, um, one of the most memorable was the Bridget Jones Edge of Reason premiere um, because the red carpet flooded um, wow. because it rained so much. Not Fiji. Not, no. And it was, uh, you know, it was sort of standing in kind of ankle deep, slightly soapy water because they'd washed the carpet just before they brought it out. So... Um, oh. So that was unfun. I recall something similar. It wasn't the first and possibly only premiere, Chris, that you covered for us was Uh Spider-Man. And you and I did it. And we had a similar situation where there was running water flowing over our feet as we stood on the carpet. Do you not remember it? That That was pretty brutal. I, rem- um, I remember you both doing the BAFTAs one year and you chasing Kurt Russell, shouting, Snake, Snake, I thought you were dead. Yeah. He, wouldn't let, he wouldn't stop. And I was, yeah, that was funny. What was uh, the last premiere you went to? I went to Jason Bourne. I don't, you know, I don't remember. I probably went to one since then, but I can't remember. Jason Bourne's the last one I actually, I, I actually recall going to. Okay. But uh, the only LA premiere I went to was Watchmen with you, which was yes. quite exciting as an LA premiere. Yes, that, that was, was fun. Legitimately studded with, with, you know, 
famous and semi-famous people. We were sitting just in front of, of Hero from Heroes, weren't we? Yes, we were. Yeah, Masioka. So, so star-studded. Yeah, it was star-studded. But uh, and Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, I had to be there 10 hours before the doors opened because that was insanity. It was the whole Sunday. The best premiere I've just... That has just clinched it for me was um, The Deathly Hallows Part 2. Um, so they took over every cinema in Leicester Square, certainly every big one. Um, and they also took over Trafalgar Square, which is where the red carpet was. Now, mm. I wasn't working that, but but we had to walk through Trafalgar Square's red carpet, up that hallway. If you've ever come, you know, if you know London, you're coming up past the, uh, through the middle, essentially, of the um, National Gallery, you know, through, up that road mm. through the middle under the bridge. And they had, like, uh, Death Eaters there that you could get your picture taken with. They had, like, a bit of Diagon Alley under the bridge. Cool. They had owls that you could hold. I've got a picture of me holding an owl. And then you go up um, the carpet again into the square and get into your seat. And there were there were kids, there were sort of barriers on either side of the of the, the that bit of the walk just to get people moving fast yeah. to the square. And there were kids lying on the ground, sticking their head under the barriers and just l- grinning like they were having a lovely time just because they might <laughs> see some famous people on the way. And of course, there were famous people at that because it was such a big deal. And we got invited to the party, which had like cauldrons full of sweets and um and fortune tellers wow. and a band with uh what do you call her tonks playing playing lead i did, mean it was did you at it any was point full on pat your pockets theatrically and then go axio tickets no <laughs> no okay no i did not um didn't will smith he did a i believe it was i robot he did a gig big willy style in, I was in there, Square. Yeah, that was good that's, he, he that's raised he raised raised the bar there on that one because i felt like you know Tom Cruise coming and doing like four and a half hours of autograph signing mm. was one thing. Will Smith coming and doing like three hours of autograph signing plus a <laughs> plus concert. A gig, yeah. <laughs> you know, it but it's cool. funny because when we started doing this, so I started doing uh, premiere coverage in, in 2000, and they were quite uh, understated affairs. Like it would just be, you know, there'd be a few people outside, you know, you'd go in and you'd stand in the foyer and you'd normally have a chat with whoever was in the film. Like it was quite like, you know, one-on-one. Sometimes yeah. you'd even sit down for a coffee with them before the film started. Like it was really random, <laughs> certainly for the smaller premieres. And then Tom Cruise turned them into this monstrous event because he spent so much time working the crowd and walking out then everyone started doing it and it turned into these mm. huge three ring circus things that's why we've um, never had him on the podcast every time he tries to come on he spends oh, four hours yeah, outside signing autographs and we're like Tom we don't have any time for you gotta go I mean Sorry, he keeps man. asking to come back and we're just like no begging begging it's not happening yeah, my, um, it's undignified actually <laughs> my, it's, a, it's an up and down pride swallowing siege that he will never fully tell you about <laughs> I my favourite uh, premiere is Expendables two. So. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, Starring a good old chum. Uh, that's right because I, I was I was I was Arnold's date to the premiere. It's when I was doing the the feature on him, and I um I did uh, my interview with him took me up the red carpet. I was interviewing I him. Beg your as we, <laughs> it's not a euphemism. Uh, I was interviewing him as we walked up the red carpet with a sort of phalanx of security around both of us. Right. And kind of I'm talking to him as he's signing autographs, as us people screaming, shouting, whatnot. And right. uh, as we're about to walk into the cinema, this is the Empire Lester Square. And as we were about to walk in, I, for the life of me, I don't remember what particularly first-based insipid question I asked him. But he stopped and he turned and he stopped what he was doing and answered at length while in the doorway holding up the entire queue of people trying to go in. There's loads of photographers taking pictures. I've never felt so self-conscious in my entire life. <laughs> and I went, no, God, can we please go inside? This is embarrassing. Oh, my um, God, that's amazing. Yeah, it was nuts. Did you, did you say to him, Arnold, I'll just go run and put some bags and seats <laughs> yeah. for us. I'll, just, I'll, I'll yeah. save you good seats. I'll save you good seats. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, was, it was fun. That's incredible. Uh, what was the last one you went to, Helen? 
Murder on the Orange Express, I think. Murder, murder, murder. murder. That was at the Royal Express. Albert Hall, wasn't it? It was at the Royal Albert mm-hmm. Hall, um, uh, but it was, uh, you know, all, all of the cast were there and it was very sort of starry and fancy, which is to say that I completely avoided the red carpet in that case and went in the back door <laughs> and just went straight to my seat and watched it all on the screen, which, you know, I could have done... But that's yeah. from an internet cafe. Like, I, one of the most exciting things ever was when the extents I went to to blag uh, Force Awakens premiere tickets. I thought this is a once in a lifetime experience. It's going to be the greatest premiere of all time. And I saw no one because all of it happened outside and all you did was see footage on the screens. No one came in. We didn't see anyone. <laughs> I could have been at home. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was a massive anticlimax. Amazing. Amazing. I've got a couple. Yeah. Go I've got a couple real quick. Uh, so I've been lucky enough to host a couple of premieres, which is a really interesting, uh, surreal experience. Uh, the best one, the one that really sticks in my mind, is uh, the Alan Partridge movie premiere, Alan Partridge Alpha Papa, uh, which was in Norwich. Of course. And so uh-huh. I went out to Norwich and they flew Steve Coogan as Alan Partridge in that blue safari suit. You could probably Google it. He's wearing that Roger Moore safari suit from The Spy Love Me, but in very Partridgean blue. And that was great because he was in character and I had to like pump up the crowd for like two hours and get them, you know, like, are you excited about Alan Partridge and loads of those people? And it was in a car park, an NCP car <laughs> park. It was amazing. Uh, and he was just, he was fantastic. So that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. Uh, I also did the um, Cowboys versus, is it Cowboys and Aliens? Cowboys and Aliens. Cowboys and Aliens premiere. Oh, yeah. Uh, do you remember, remember this? Yes. Big screen. Big screen. We hosted the premiere of Cowboys and Aliens, and so I hosted that. And I'll never forget this. Daniel Craig comes in, and I'm quite nervous because I've you know I've hosted stuff before, but I've never hosted a premiere on this scale before. But I was shitting my pants, frankly. And so Daniel Craig comes in, and he comes up to me, and we do the interview, and it's all very, very lovely. And then as he goes off, I notice that this young kid standing next to us, like four or five years old, who's been shouting Daniel, Daniel, Daniel all the way through. And he, Daniel Craig hasn't noticed him. So I go, oh, Daniel, on the mic. I go, Daniel, there's this little, little kid here who's been shouting your name. Oh, you must want to go up and say something to him. And Daniel Craig, on mic, goes up and says, uh, hello to this kid. And the kid immediately bursts into tears. Like, <laughs> full, full kind of, ah! And I, it's just a horrible moment. I'm just like, Daniel Craig! Everybody! <laughs> <laughs> like James Bond has just made this kid cry. That's this, amazing. It was absolutely horrendous. And then, of course, there's the premiere. I will not name the film or the people involved were um, a producer of a quite large-scale blockbuster, shall we say, hit on me in front of my then girlfriend, now wife. Wow. That was fun. Still got it. Still got it. I was was young and cute back then. (laughs) You know, speaking of being young and cute, my very first day at Empire, I was at the High Fidelity premiere. That was my very first day. Really? My, yeah, I had to cover it that evening. My first full day was the Peter Pan premiere, the one with Jason Isaac. Yes. I went to that. Hello to him. I saw Dave Gilmore and didn't go up to him. There's a theme at all, <laughs> running through all these premieres. I see famous people and then don't go up to them. But that's normally a good thing because I, obviously being my first day, didn't know what I was doing. And at the party, I went up to Samantha Morton, which of course at the party is an immediate, you don't do that. You don't randomly walk up to celebrities and start asking them questions. I didn't have a recorder and I asked her a question and she gave me an answer. And I spent so long writing it down when I looked up, she walked off. <laughs> Bless. Amazing. How Amazing. naive I was. I often wonder what would happen if I'd actually slept with that producer. Well, think of what you could have achieved. I know. Think of the things I could have done. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'd rather not. <laughs> <laughs> just, just not going to. It was amazing. Anyway. Anyway. There we go. If you want to have your question read out on the Emperor Podcast, and why wouldn't you? You could do so via a number of methods. We're on Twitter as at Emperor Magazine. Use the hashtag Emperor Podcast. We're on Facebook as well as Empire Magazine. And you can, of course, email us podcast at empireonline.com. Got a bit of a cold this week. My voice is quite deep. 
super villainy. I will kill all the baddies. You're, you're, no, just, the baddies. Try, you're just trying the to heroes. copy Thor. We know. I am not. I still am not. Uh, anyway, should we talk about some movie news? Let's do it, yes. Let's do this thing. What's been happening in the world of the movies? Um, some exciting trailers this week. Um, I recommend having a look at the one for Crazy Rich Asians, which is a very entertaining book and looks like being a very entertaining film. It was another and one, wasn't there? I was trying to like, I was trying to lead in, Sorry. Br- you know, break Sorry. it easily, Sorry. right? So first do of it. all, the good news that yeah. was that was Crazy Rich Asians, <laughs> and then and then there's a full trailer for Venom, which gives us, I guess, a little bit more of a of an idea of what. They're going for with Venom, which appears to be a, ni- a late 1990s superhero movie. Yes, yeah, um, yes, it does. A sequel to Spawn that nobody asked for. It seems to be what they've. they've I love gone the for. fact yeah. that the final reveal of Venom has become a meme. Uh, this has become a whole thing, and I like to think that Elizabeth Banks kicked this off with her still of it, where she just responded like, "It looks like he's eating a dick." <laughs> uh, bless her. Do you, but do you know what else it looks like? And I don't think this is a spoiler. It's in the trailers. I think he looks like the baddie army of faceless goon dog things in uh, Infinity War. Uh, a little bit. And a little that's bit. not brilliant news. Um, yeah. But it does seem to be another another film with um, basically, you know, Tom Hardy and a funny voice. It does. Not, I mean, not his funny voice, I think. I know, I'm still it. convinced that's Lance Reddick. He's not credited, but I am absolutely convinced Lance Reddick is the voice of Venom. I would swear blind to this. Well, I mean, you're not going to turn that gig down, are you? No. I mean, that's that's a belter. <laughs> uh, this is, yeah, we say this a lot on the Empire Podcast, that every day is Christmas Eve. Every and day. And we, we treat every film as if it's a wonderful present just waiting to be unwrapped under the tree. But now and again, just like a National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, you have a daughtery old relative who maybe, maybe, accidentally sticks green jello into a into a uh, package and wraps it instead and also wraps her cat and you just know that that present when you shake it up and down and, and bits of green jello I'm saying jello because that's what they say in the film uh, leaks all over you and then the cat goes Meow! you know that present is not going to be that great and I'm not saying that Venom's going to be a terrible film but the chances are quite high but you are saying you've got jello in your fingers right I've now got, yeah. I've got cello in one hand and cat fur in the other and I'm not happy this looks like a movie composed almost entirely of first takes it doesn't it so far, it looks monumentally misjudged, and I'm not entirely sure. And I'm tr- every day is Christmas Eve, and I, I, I just think that they should just stop. I think they should just but stop now. Like, like we said with the casting, though, right? We kept being like, we don't want a Venom movie. This sounds like a terrible idea. Yes. And then all of these really good people signed up, and we were like, maybe there's something there. Maybe they know something uh-huh. that we do not know. It's been very artfully hidden. If so, I mean, well, yes. I mean, the, the effects look not great. It, they don't. Do but that's sometimes the case for trailers, but you But you, you also have a character, Venom, whose entire existence in comics and his entire creation is yeah. uh, predicated on Spider-Man. It's the reason why he looks like Spider-Man. He is the reason why his abilities mimic Spider-Man's. Uh, he bases everything off his, his psychopathy and his whole race and detritus, certainly through the first years of the character's existence, was about wanting to eat the spider. That's it. That's how he came into into being. And if you're making this movie, and I know there's reasons why that it's not going to be a full-on Spider-Fest, it just strikes me as maybe a little misjudged. But, you know, hey, Christmas Eve. I'm excited. Yes. I'm excited excited to watch this movie for all sorts of reasons. (laughs) (laughs) What else has happened? Oh, um, some good cartoon news, or animation news, I should say. Um... There is going to be a sequel to Chicken Run. That was Ardman unexpected. Is, yeah, it? Ardman's working on it. Now, this was a, a box office smash, but it was a smash back in 2000. Yes. Um, Before uh, Mel Gibson was Mel Gibson. 
Yeah, and <laughs> and you know we 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 left his character Rocky and Julius Wala Ginger um, coupled up and and presumably living happily ever after on an island. Um, so it could just be completely new characters. This could be Chicken Run, the next generation, if you will. Um, but it's directed by Sam Fell, who did Flushed Away and Paranorman for Leica. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, you know, like I'm interested. Yeah, I do too. So uh, I'm interested to see more because I think that's that's promising. Also in um, related, uh, slightly related animation news, uh, Leica, uh, with the other great uh, stop motion animation studio, is pushing ahead with film number five. They're calling it for the moment film five. Um, and we're told that Chris Butler is directing a globe-trotting comedy adventure, bursting with humour, hard, and a profound message of acceptance and finding one's place, which is like fine. Um, Hugh Jackman, Zoe Saldana, and Zach Galifianakis are heading the voice cast for that one. Oh my word! Okay, yeah, it's huge. It's huge news. I'm very happy. Huge of true. Unsurprising news of the day: A Quiet Place is officially getting a sequel. Mm-hmm. What? Who'd that have really, thought? Film really... that makes shitloads of money gets sequel shocker. Is it a quiet um, place to run silent, run deep? Is it, it is. A, they did mention submarine submarines. Yep, yep. Yep. That's 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 now canon. I want some uh, goddamn. I want some goddamn money. I want some cheddar. I, I mean, I assume Krasinski will have some kind of producing role in this. I would be surprised if his involvement goes beyond that. But you never know. You never. He had know. a notion of what the story of the sequel should be before he started making this one. And what was that? Is it about, uh, he didn't tell me. Is it about people <laughs> trying to trying to keep quiet? It's about yeah. people trying to keep quiet. Wow, well, of course, like we've only seen obviously a tiny, tiny corner of this world, yes. uh, very deliberately and very, very consciously, um, and we've only seen a tiny, tiny fragment really of time. Um, yes. So I Is think it, I think it was basically picking up where that one left off. I think it's going to be set on a planet mm-hmm. where there's no sound and no light, uh-huh. and it's going to be the space bastards versus the giant moths from Pitch Black, <laughs> and we're going to see who wins. Right, Vin Wait. Diesel. It could, be a, it could be a Riddick film. I think it's going to be the tragic tale of a one-man band who <laughs> blunders into a uh, peanut packing factory. Uh-huh. <laughs> and um, it's a very short film. It, it it's sounds a really ex- short film. extremely short, yes. I mean, I don't even think it gets to the credit sequence. I'll no, be honest I, with don't, you. I don't either. I don't either. <laughs> Dead. It's lucky none of those people got a cold at any point. Anyway, It is, isn't it? But then they would have, you know, one sneeze and you're gone. Toast. That's that's your poster line for you there. Possibly related to A Quiet Place. So J.J. Abrams has gone on record saying as Overlord it's not a Cloverfield movie. Now, this could be truth. Or it could simply be the, hey, the Cloverfield paradox wasn't very well received. And this Quiet Place standalone (laughs) thing's done really well. So maybe we should uncouple this. Overlord isn't a Cloverfield film. It's a John Harrison film. Exactly. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, so apparently it's not. Uh, But J.J. Abrams, as we all know, is absolutely honest and absolutely never misleads his audiences by trying to keep secrets. So who knows? Mm. Well, we well, do because he's absolutely honest. Apparently, he is indeed. Yeah. yeah. Of course, the Cloverfield paradox wasn't a Cloverfield film until about five minutes before it came out. Apparently, <laughs> yeah. so who knows? Uh, I'm excited about this. One of the great unmade Stephen King stories uh, might actually be made. It is the Long Walk, which is a Richard Bachman story. Which is Richard Bachman is the pen name that King took for a while. In fact, still does from time to time. Uh, and it's a really it's a dystopian tale. It's, there's a lot of Hunger Games in there, a lot of Running Man as well. It's about a a future in which um, there is a competition called the Long Walk. A group of young guys uh, basically have to keep walking. That's it. Oh, yeah, that's right. But if they stop walking, they get killed. And if they slow down beneath a certain pace, they get killed. 
So it's uh, until until only one person's left. Really grueling, really fantastic uh, novella by Bachman slash King. I think Frank Darabont had the rights to it for a long time but couldn't crack the nut. But now James Vanderbilt, who is the screenwriter of Zodiac, he is attached to write that. And so I'm very, very excited about that uh, because we've had some really good King adaptations on the big screen recently and, of course, The Dark Tower as well. So uh, fingers crossed it is closer to the likes of It and Gerald's Game. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Have you seen that they're doing a Fast and Furious animated series? Yeah, you know. Starring Tony Toretto, Dom's teenage cousin. <laughs> I shit you not. Is this the same cousin we meet in Fast and Furious 8 on the uh, the exotic island of Cuba? It's unclear to me. Okay. But this is a thing that is happening. And there's not a lot we can do to stop it. No. Apparently not. Um, Amy Adams uh, signed up for Joe Wright's uh, The Woman in the Window, which sounds mm-hmm. like a Rear Window-esque thriller. So that'll be an interesting turn for her. I wonder if there's more to it, but we don't know yet. It's a remake, isn't it? Yeah. um, Harrison Ford will be in the Secret Life of Pets sequel. So that's a thing. Mm. That is a thing. CinemaCon's been happening in Las Vegas this week. So there's been lots of movie news and lots of first looks of stuff coming out uh, from there. We weren't there because we're here. Uh, but I'm very excited because M. Night Shyamalan unleashed, unleashed, unveiled the first footage from Glass, which is a movie I'm tremendously excited about. And uh, it looks pretty good. And apparently there's a trailer which may be hitting uh, the web soon. Ooh. Sounds to me like it, you know, there's no reason for it not to. Uh, and it seems that the basic plot of it all is that uh, Sarah Paulson plays a psychiatrist who is probing into people, not that way, uh, who think that they're superheroes and of course she happens upon her patients three of her patients are Mr. Glass Sam Jackson Kevin Wendell Crumb James McAvoy and David Dunn Bruce <gasps> Willis uh, who all do have powers to an extent apart from Mr. Glass who's just one of the core more cerebral bad guys yeah he's like Brainiac yeah with his brittle bones and whatnot I guess mm. but that's a terrible power to have um, so yeah I'm really excited about this film I cannot wait to see it do you think at any point David Dunn will turn to the camera and go, Glass? Who gives a shit about Glass? <laughs> no? I hope so. I'm not the one who just got butt-fucked on national TV, <laughs> Kevin Wendell Crumb. Shoot the glass. There we go. What you got to do? It's all connected. It's all, it's connected. all connected. The BWCU. Fantastic. Right, that's it for the news. Yay. Is that it for the news? I think it is. Are we happy? I mean, we're super happy. How, right how do we feel? How, let's rate the news out of ten this week. Seven. Seven? I mean, I would say about a six, to be honest. Oh, well, no, no, there's Leica in there, so, like, yeah, that'll take it up to a seven. Yeah, I kind of... There's Venom in there, it takes points. it back down to six. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anyway. Uh, so, as you know, this week's podcast is sponsored by Sky Cinema, which gives you unlimited access to the best movies at home, whenever and wherever you want in the best possible way. I have been a Sky Cinema subscriber for many years now, many Many wonderful years, and I love the choice they offer. Like I said, over a thousand quality movies on demand, ready for me or you or anybody to enjoy whenever I or you or they want. Uh, this week, my recommendations are both from the premiere section of Sky Cinema. First up is Jordan Peele's brilliant, groundbreaking, Oscar winning Get Out, in which Daniel Kaluuya goes to visit his girlfriend's parents and ends up getting a lot more than he bargained for. It's part Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, part Separate Wives, yet wholly original. It's one of the best horror debuts in recent years with a fantastic script that is razor sharp about race in modern America and packs in plenty of thrills, gore, and this being Jordan Peele of Key and Peele fame, gags as well. Get in. 
Uh, then we have Life, uh, which stars Jake Gyllenhaal, Rebecca Ferguson and Ryan Reynolds as astronauts aboard the ISS. That's the International Space Station for you guys. Uh, and they're battling an alien creature, which sounds obviously so far so alien, but it is one of the best alien-inspired sci-fi horrors in years. It's got a quality cast, a great, memorable monster, a smart script by Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick, who also work with Ryan Reynolds on the Deadpool movies, and an absolute belter of an ending. Check it out. So those are my recommendations for this week's Sky Cinema and join me next week for more Sky Cinema related fun. Okay, time now for this week's guests. They are the directors of what will most likely be the year's biggest film in terms of box office, although Jurassic Kingdom Fallen World might have something to say about that and almost certainly the biggest film of all time in terms of sheer mind-boggling scale. They are Joe and Anthony Russo, directors of Captain America, The Winter Soldier, Captain America, Civil War and now... Avengers Infinity Squee. No, she didn't do it. Uh, <laughs> now, ordinarily, we would have done a spoiler special with these guys when they came to London a few weeks ago, but because they made a decision not to show the movie to anybody, not even their good old pod buddies, Empire, uh, until just two days before it came out, and you'll know why when you see the film, we were unable to do so. We're still working on that. We still hope to do that down the line. But for this... I decided to dig a little more into who they are as directors, how they work together, and what they've got planned post-Marvel. So it's not really Avengers-focused, but hey, most of you by now will have already seen the film. Hope you enjoy. Here's Joe Russo and Anthony Russo. We're delighted to be joined on the Empire Podcast by the directors of Avengers Infinity War, Joe Russo, Anthony Russo. How are you both? Good, Good how, Chris, are you? how are you? Hey, yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Uh, do you know what day it is? <laughs> are, you, are, you, are, you, are you, you know, still in a sort of post-film middle of the other film haze or are you okay yeah i mean i think i don't think we've ever uh you know run out of a you know the digital inner negative and uh and a sound mix the way that we did you know to get on a plane with our bags so they're like yep 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 look through okay great final that shot that shot's final that i do the mix is great here we go and then got jumped in a car and drove to the airport so uh we literally you know like delivered the movie seconds before we left for this press tour you're showing 20 minutes of footage, which, which I saw That's right. which I saw today. So I haven't seen the finished film. So ordinarily, we'd be doing a, a spoiler special. Yes. And um, hopefully we will continue. We will do that down, sure down the line. We look forward to that. But my theory is that you actually forgot to finish the film. It's a good theory. Is, is, there, is there anything you left out of the film? And, <laughs> now, looking back, going, we forgot to put Hulk in. Guys, <laughs> we need to go back. No, for, fortunately, we had a very thorough prep period on this movie, so <laughs> I think we would have caught a mistake that big, hopefully. Who yeah. knows? All right, okay. Okay, because uh, does that explain Hawkeye? <laughs> it wasn't saying, we forgot Hawkeye! Wait a minute, Hawkeye, 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 Hawkeye wasn't Hawkeye. Sort of forgotten. We did forget something. Oh, no, we need to go back and <laughs> yeah. put it back in again. And who yeah. plays him again? <laughs> we, uh, I think it's the, uh, the Belgian actor, Jeremy Renier. That's right, yes, that's right. <laughs> Two-time Academy Award-nominated <laughs> Jeremy Renner that apparently the fans think that we forgot <laughs> he's lurking yeah he's lurking somewhere it will, uh, it will all be explained all right in due fantastic time. but how do you how do you feel at the end because you're not at the end of this process you're you, you are what, halfway through yeah we're yeah. about halfway through the process yeah. i mean literally as soon as we finish this press tour we go back and start uh, uh cutting avengers uh, 4 mm-hmm. uh which we have very little time to complete because the special effects are ginormous on that movie as well <laughs> And special effects take months to cook. Yeah. So um, we've got to get we got to get to work right away. 
So that's not going to be a sort of my dinner with Andre type chamber piece where it's just it's just Tony and Thanos just we can only dream. just chilling. We just can only dream. They cook. They cook for each other. <laughs> now that would be amazing. Be um, we can talk about breaking this movie because this is mm-hmm. an astonishing film to break. Right. I mean, in terms of the the moving parts, I don't think there's a there's a, a, a major blockbuster out there like it, and certainly has been for a long, long time. I'm thinking maybe something like a Bridge Too Far, going way, way back. Right. Uh, in terms of in terms of breaking down the pieces and knowing which characters you wanted to pair off, which characters you wanted to put into groups, did that take a long time to, yeah. to come to terms with? It took and months. To, to decide, yeah. I mean, we sit in a room about this size, which is, you know, a, uh, a medium-sized bedroom. And uh, 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 we don't sit in a medium-sized bedroom. We're actually <laughs> in a medium-sized bedroom right now at a hotel doing this podcast. But yeah. uh, we have uh, magnetic whiteboards, dry erase whiteboards on the wall. We have uh, I have the li- same in my bedroom. Yeah, we have little <laughs> magnets with every every character in the Marvel Universe on it. We put them up on the dry erase board, and then we just start talking. It's me, Anth, Marcus, and McFeely, and we spend months in a room writing ideas under each magnet, talking about each character, where they could go, what we want them to do, what we want to see happen to them, what we think would be interesting or surprising, uh, where they are at this point in the Marvel Universe and where they where we want them to go after this. Uh, we talk about the villain. We talk about the agenda. Mm. Uh, and then you start lining up all of those things slowly and coalescing that into a plot. Uh, and then, you know, what we'll do is then we write cards out for the plot. So we'll do each theme will be a card. And we'll put that up on the board, and then we spend two or three months just going through the cards, looking at the structure. Is that the correct scene? Can we do a better scene? Is that leading to the ending correctly? Once we're done with that, mm-hmm. so now we're about five or six months into the process, mm-hmm. it's re- ready for a script to be written. So where do you start? Do you start with the end? Do you have an end in sight? No, it depends. It depends. We could start anywhere, really. We just start to grab threads, things that we find sort of interesting or combustible, ideas that we have, and start shaping around it. Um, We did know the end. I think the both Avengers 3 and 4 pretty early on, we came up with the idea of what we wanted to do and then ran at it. And I think that was helpful in unifying Mm. the characters it was helpful for us as a you know knowing where we were heading to on the map mm-hmm. uh, because there were so many characters yeah. you know it, it, it was helpful in you know giving us a target to get everybody to mm. so to speak this process started at what in relation to civil war at what point were you doing this immediately were you doing this during, during civil post war? in post during civil post. war okay. there came a point when you know civil war you know uh, it was such a good setup for Thanos, so to speak, in the sense that the Avengers would become divided. Yeah. And then they would f- face the greatest threat they have ever faced in Thanos. So that just got us thinking as the movie was coming together in post, it's, you know, our thoughts started to naturally go toward, okay, well, what is that threat? What, what, what have we done? Why have we left the Avengers in this condition? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what's coming for them? Mm-hmm. And, 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 how, and we began speaking with Marcus and McFeely about it at that time. And I think Marvel at that time is, you know, Kevin Feige, that's when they realized, oh, I, that's when they basically they asked us to do the Avenger movies. And I think it was because it was such a natural, logical extension of what the work that had been done in Civil War. So it wasn't a, catch, a situation where you necessarily lobbied for this movie or, or, or pitched for it in a way. It was No, it just kind of it just arose organically from the process of uh, – of, working uh, together making, for yeah. four years, and, yeah, and telling the just, telling the partic- 
the particular story thread that we were yeah. telling. So it was just an assumption. It was basically like Kevin said, I'll see you guys on Monday at 9 a.m. Don't yeah. we? We're starting exactly. Infinity War. Right. Uh, <laughs> when do we have to have that movie done by? Yeah. We have a great relationship with Marcus McFeely. Yeah. Uh, we've obviously collaborated with them for almost a decade. And I think uh, to Kevin, you know, Eminem had written uh, uh, other films for them and knew a lot about as, as much as anyone did about the Marvel Universe. Mm. Uh, and it just seemed like a natural fit. We're almost like a sub studio, you know, where he could just take the Russos and Marcus McFeely and, you know, yeah. say, hey, "Go, go! I need, I need two Avengers movies." And, and they got, <laughs> and they got to wrap up the first ten years. So, good no luck. pressure, no yeah. pressure. It'll be fine. Um, and you guys, you, you truly do have a beautiful relationship with uh, Marcus McFeely. Eminem is the first time I've ever heard them refer, referred <laughs> yeah. to as that. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that's our internal code for them. <laughs> uh, but you are going to work with them post Avengers because you are beginning to prepare for life post MCU. That's correct. That's yeah. right. We started a progressive studio called Agbo. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a progressive film studio. Uh, and, uh, you know, the we got into the film business. Uh, we got discovered by Steven Soderbergh at uh, Slamdance Film Festival in 1997. Yeah. We'd made a, a micro-budget credit card movie out of Cleveland, Ohio. I had zero connections to the film business. And the only reason that we're sitting here talking to you is because of Soderbergh. Uh, because he had the uh, the gumption and the wherewithal and the passion to push our careers forward in the business. So we feel like we owe a karmic debt to the universe to now do the same for other people. Uh, and you know, being in a position where we've gotten such profile out of making these movies, it allowed us to raise a lot of capital to start our own studio. Now we're we're working on projects that you know that are personal and passionate to us uh, and to other filmmakers and and, and mentoring them and helping yeah. them get their movies made. It's interesting you say a studio and not right. production company. What, I mean, what, what, it's a, it's you know we can we can write the checks and greenlight movies. So yeah. you know we function uh, as a studio. So in, in terms of the scope of things, how, how do you see this this operating? I mean, I think you know it's a it's it's specific to us and our tastes. And I yeah. think when you have an artist driven studio, uh-huh. uh, it has to be. Um, but uh, we've we've kind of you know we will do film and television because you know the future of the business lies a lot in TV. Yeah. Uh, uh, in fact, you know, majority of the business will lie <laughs> in television and digital distribution moving forward. But we tend to gravitate towards three kinds of projects that we've uh, identified: prestige projects. Um, we're working with the. Uh, the Daniels on their next movie after mm-hmm. Swiss the follow up to Swiss Army Man. I love that film. Uh, we are uh, we're working with uh, Matthew Carnahan, an incredible film, a very powerful emotional story. It's a first time directing, uh, but he's an amazing writer. And uh, um, you know we tend uh, to so that category one is prestige genre. Mm-hmm. Uh, is second category it's um, elevated genre. You know, we, uh, we were children of the 70s action films, as you can mm. tell from Winter Soldier. Yeah. Uh, we're making a film called DACA with Chris Hemsworth at uh, Netflix. That's Sam Hargrave, who uh, did all the second unit directing on the uh, Avengers 3 and 4, mm-hmm. will be directing. Um, and that's um, about a kidnap extractor who has to go into DACA to save a, uh, the son of a, uh, of a drug dealer from India. So it's a, it's a complex movie with a lot of uh, political um, uh, texture. Uh, in it, uh, and then our third category is, um, uh, you know, temple, mm. uh, because we know that you know that's going to keep the lights on and it's going to drive it, and it's also, you know, we spent the last seven years making those movies, so we feel like we understand that space, and we just bought uh, Electric State for yeah. uh, Andy Muschietti uh, um, to direct. 
uh, and uh, you know there'll be lots of other projects in that vein. And you know the next film that we direct mm. will most likely be for our company, mm. uh, and most likely be a, a temple. And that's the one that uh, Eminem. I'm going to try it forever. Yeah. Now. Marcus and McFeely everyone. have yeah. come on board <laughs> in a very unique capacity as what we're calling co-presidents of story. Okay, we've been developing inside the studio system uh, for many years inside networks. Yeah, and we know what works about them, what doesn't work about them, and we're trying to build a better mousetrap. Uh, we want qualified storytellers that when you come in to work with us, that we can actually, you know, we, you know, you don't get the note that says, gosh, we wish it was funnier. We say, here's where it can be funnier on page 10. When this character says this, you can actually say something, you know, and uh, we, so we can identify which characters on which pages and help you get through uh, uh, your material quicker at a higher qualitative level mm. uh, because you're working with storytellers uh, who can collaborate with you and help you get out what you want to say uh, faster. So, um, uh, and because we've spent seven years working with them, we all have a shorthand, mm. and uh, it's been very effective. I guess, that, as you say, that that is inspired by how you got into movies in the first place, and your journey over the last ten, fifteen years has been really interesting. Going from independent cinema, then into you know, working in television and working on incredible shows like Community and Arrested Development, and then from there, the real. Escalation is going into the MCU, Winter Soldier, and Civil War, and now these three, mo- these two, well, three, however many movies you want to make, <laughs> mm-hmm. at least two, make another one. Why don't you? <laughs> um, these two movies as well, and each one is is bigger almost exponentially than than the last, apart from Avengers Four, which as we know is just Tony and Thanos having dinner. Uh, <laughs> can you talk about what that's been like as directors and going and handling that that uh, that increase in pressure and scale uh, with each with each episode? Part, you know, here, here's the interesting thing about Joe and I. You know, we've done, we've had a very eclectic road as filmmakers. You know, like you said, you know, we've shot movies for no money. We've shot the most expensive films that you can make. You know, and we we do television, comedy, drama. We sh- we've shot commercials. We we're the kind of guys who like to seek out different mediums and different formats because we like how that. Uh, stimulates us on a creative level. Mm. Like an example is like with Arrested Development, you know, we were the first people to ever shoot a network television show, scripted show in the United States on digital video. Mm. And that was because of very specifically how we wanted to shoot that show, how we wanted to keep the cameras running, how we wanted to stage the comedy in that show. It was very organic to what we were trying to achieve on a creative level, and it gave us a new tool to achieve that mm. by, by being able to use those cameras. So it's, we... we we like all these different formats. We like how it provokes us on a creative level, and we like the opportunities that it opens to us. So, but at the same time, I would say this road that you're talking about, it feels like Joe and for Joe and I, every stage on that road is essentially the same. I mean, we approach everything we're directing, no matter if it's the smallest movie or the biggest movie, the exact same way. You know, you just mm. sit there and say, why do we want to make this movie? What are we looking to do on a creative level? What do we want to say? How can we say that? What's what's a, what's a more interesting way to do that, that, that people haven't tried before, et cetera? That we apply that process to no matter what, we, what we're doing. So for us, making movies like this, even though they're kind of seismic in scope, um, there, it's kind of the same intimate creative process that we mm. have on everything else. And do the filmmaking tricks that you used on movies you made for no money or credit card, you know, funded by credit cards, do they come into play on something as big as Infinity War where you can do anything? But at the same time, are there solutions maybe on a, on a filmy day that maybe something's gone a little bit awry that you can use a, yeah, a lo-fi technique? It's all technique? the same. It is all applicable. I mean, the only place that it differs is like the expense of money that goes to the cast. 
and then the amount of money that goes to vi- uh, visual effects. But other than that, the set feels pretty much the same, mm. uh, depending, you know, uh, uh, um, irrespective of scale. Well, yeah, uh, and that's because you know, no matter how, no matter what the scale is, like no matter how much money you're spending on a movie, whether it be fifty thousand dollars or fifty million dollars or five hundred million dollars, at some point while you're making that movie, you run out of money. <laughs> it doesn't matter what the budget is. You're going to run out of money regardless. So you fa- basically have the same dy- man- dynamics no matter what budget level you're okay. at. So. But yeah, I mean, we've developed techniques over the years. Uh, the handheld t- uh, techniques that we developed on Arrested Development are you know, the same ones that we use for Winter Soldier. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, it, it's all applicable across the board. You're just, you know, uh, when young filmmakers ask us um, for advice, we always say, go out and shoot as much as possible. You got an uh, iPhone shoot yeah. posted on YouTube. You got free distribution. But you want to be a... A, a great carpenter you got to build a lot of tables and you know that's been the 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 you know the main tenet of our careers is that we work and we work all the time yeah uh, because we feel like we grow when we work and um and so everything that we've done at some point in our careers has come back in some way and we've developed muscles and techniques that are applicable across the board no matter what we're working on uh, I was I was lucky enough to be on set of Infinity War for a couple of days and see you guys at work and it was it was fascinating watching you work because from my point of view, it seemed to me that you, you would do a take and then one of you would get up and have a chat with the actors and correct something without seemingly talking to each other. Is there a hive mind going on here? What, what? And then the next take, so you would get up, Anthony, and maybe say something to, to Downey and then you do a take again. And then the next take, you, Joe, would get up and, and do something as well. And you didn't seem to, what the hell's going on? How do you do that? We have a very efficient uh, communication with each other. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we've been doing it so long. We have, we know each other's rhythms. We have, you know, yeah, we, we, we can communicate a lot to one another without speaking. All right. I mean, we've yeah. given thousands of notes over thousands of hours of footage that we've shot and thousands <laughs> of sets. And it'll literally be to the point where we just take off our headsets after take and one of us look at the other and go, you got this? And they go, (laughs) and we get up and, you know, we both, you know, it's, you know, we, we have the same sensibility about what is right or wrong about a scene. And typically, you know, uh, uh, if he's got a focus for a scene and he has something he wants to say with it, Uh you know, I can sit there and watch two or three takes Uh and see what develops. And then if I feel like there's something additive, I get up and then Uh I'll start working with the actors and then between that we you know after four five or six takes we have you know everything that we could possibly need somewhere in the takes i think that you know a mistake that a lot of directors make or or make early in their careers is just you know looking for that perfect take you know we've learned that you know you can build it from seven takes and uh you get you know that you know the first line and take two the second line and take four the third line and take five <laughs> you know, as long as you're keeping a running tally in your head of what it is that you want you want trying to build out of the scene and how you want to craft the performance uh you know it, it just uh you, you can be facile with the mm. actor and with uh with the footage oh, that's fascinating so it's, it's not like a uh a passive aggressive thing where, where <laughs> you'll get up Anthony and go, and you'll go to you know robert and go play this in a british accent yeah, and then yeah. he'll do a take and you get up and go what the hell are you doing in a british yeah, accent, accent for yeah don't do that that's stupid no, we, we only do that to actors we want to mess with <laughs> <laughs> in terms of of this movie and and going back to the idea of of breaking it down and you know you have you know you have thanos um and we've talked in the past about how he's going to be an integral part of this of this film. And you've said he's going to be the main character. Yeah. Uh, at what point do you know that? You know, fairly early on. I mean, as you're discussing, look, a big thing with us, because we're, we're fans of these movies, we grew up collecting comics, we 
you know, first guys in line for midnight screenings when we were teenagers, you know, uh, is uh, what can you bring to the table that's different? How are you going to surprise the audience? And now the movies are so ubiquitous. You know, it's not only do we have to worry about what was done in the last Marvel film, we have to worry about what was done in Deadpool and what was done in DC movies. Yeah, and of course. You're looking for, you know, fertile ground to tell a story. And something that we hadn't seen or can't recollect seeing on this large a scale before is a commercial movie told from the point of view of a villain. And we also knew we needed to introduce him correctly into the universe he hadn't had a lot of yeah. screen time. Yeah. So uh, in order, you know, the real estate's precious in a movie with 22 heroes in it. Uh, we felt like, well, if we ascribe a lot of that real estate to him, then the audience is going to understand it better. They're going to understand what he wants better. Uh, he, you know, you, you can, you know, weirdly have moments where you empathize with him, and other moments where you're going to despise him. Mm. Uh, and, uh, and I think uh, that'll make for a more complete viewing for an audience, and something mm. that's fresh and different and more surprising. I think you told me once that Darth Vader was the the model in Without terms of what you're aiming for. I mean, just yeah. growing, having grown up on Star Wars, Darth Vader was always the preeminent villain. Uh, and uh, and he's complex because he's a tragic character, Darth Vader. Mm. Uh, so in that regard, you know, I think uh, Thanos is uh, is an equally tragic character. Uh, he's got a much more uh, uh, vicious agenda than even Vader had, uh, and uh, and you know he's like the Genghis Khan of this universe. Mm. He's highly trained. Uh, he's fought for a millennium. You know, he's conquered planets. Mm. Uh, he's fought everyone you can think of. He's stronger than the Hulk. His skin is nearly invincible. He's this sort of, you know, perfect genetic mutation. Uh, he's this perfect storm of uh, intelligence and physicality mm. uh, uh, married to a uh, sociopathic agenda. <laughs> uh, and our heroes who are divided after Civil War, you know, going through the middle of a divorce, uh, have to figure out if they can repair their relationships in time to mm. save the universe. He sounds great. I'd, I'd, yeah. I'd vote for him in a heartbeat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he sounds like a really, really cool dude. Yeah. Um, but you mentioned there, in terms of your own studio, uh, that you've learned, not just working with Marvel, but working with different studios over the years, what, what they do well and what they don't do well. What do studios do well and what do studios not do well, in your, in your opinion? Think, uh, That's a good question. I mean, I, I think... We believe we can bring to the table unique, and it goes to back, back to what Joe was talking about earlier. You know, when S Steven Soderbergh saw our film at the Slamdance Film Festival in 1997, our very first film, mm. you know, there was nobody that responded to that movie except for Soderbergh. You know, the, he was literally the one person who said, hey, you guys are doing something really interesting there. I'd mm. like to help you do more of that. So there's, there's a unique opportunity that we have as artists to recognize things of value in other artists that perhaps people who come from more of the business side of the industry can't recognize. And we look at it as our responsibility and also our opportunity mm. to help those people move through the system. Now that we've done it ourselves so so many times and know it so well and through uh, have been able to establish a company that's financed in a way where we can help those people move through the system. So I think that's really the niche that we we can provide that's uniquely different from from a traditional studio is we, we can we can bring voices and we can bring projects along that may not be recognized otherwise. Yeah. Um, and that's that, yeah. that's what excites us most There's about a the lot product. of largesse in the studio system. I mean, it's a corporate structure, it's a corporate environment. 
you know, I think why Marvel works so well is it's, you know, Kevin. Kevin makes the decisions. Yeah. And Kevin talks to you directly every day. And it's like, you want to get things done, you just pick up the phone or you, and you text Kevin. Uh, and that makes it very easy to work. You know, there aren't layers and layers of people who can't make decisions because they're trying to predict what it is that their boss wants. You're just talking to the boss all the time. Mm-hmm. And he keeps it very lean for that reason and it keeps it very efficient and effective. I feel mm-hmm. like, you know, our frustration as artists having worked with studios over the years is lack of uh, uh, you know qualitative story brains mm. you know in, in a business about storytelling mm. and uh, a lot of projects languish in development uh, um, because there's a lack of clear direction and there's a corporate structure that you know contributes to um, slowing things down mm. uh, you know I know Marcus McFeely when we were working on them saying you know here's why you guys should you know it, give up your jobs as the highest paid writers in Hollywood to come work with us as co-presidents of story at our new studio. Uh, you know, one day, uh, um, you know, we were working together and, uh, Infinity War and McFeely said, I just read this great article. It's fantastic. Uh, yeah. uh, you guys should take a look at it. It's really heartbreaking. And, uh, I, I, uh, I sent it to the team over at Agbo and I said, uh, we should, I read it and said, we should, we should buy the rights to this. And you know, 24 hours later, we bought the rights to it. Wow. And I emailed McFeely back and said, uh, you know, the next day we just bought the rights. And he said, holy shit. <laughs> uh, uh, and then, you know, Matt, Carnahan, to move Matt Carnahan, yeah. you know, wrote a script that was incredible. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, uh, and we greenlit the first draft. That's how good it was. And, uh, and he's in production right now. So in less than a year's time, we bought the, you know, the rights to the article got a script and a director and the director's in production on the project. It's just efficiency. It's efficiency of storytelling. It's being able to work with the right people and uh, to find the right material and put it together with the right artist and, and, uh, and be confident in the choices that you're making and go. I also think the studios are, you know, the studios, because they are big, huge corporations that have been doing business for decades and decades now, they're very much enmeshed in the, you know, how things have been done traditionally yeah. and the yeah. infrastructure that exists for that and we're in the we're in a changing world right now the media landscape's changing radically the world is changing radically and i mean that's one reason why we got involved with these marvel movies is they pro- provided an, a creative opportunity that has never existed before serialized storytelling on a cinematic level at this level and that's the kind of things you know we're better able i think to move toward ideas like outside the box ideas like mm. that on a structural level than a traditional corporation even though the studios can get there on their own they take longer to get there so uh, i think that's another distinction between mm. uh, what we can do and what a traditional studio does and how can you safeguard against being bogged down by the process and avoiding mm. the pitfalls that other studios because which probably all start out with the best of intentions to go down the creative road that you guys are going down well we we tried to design the company in a way we never wanted to get stuck into a place where we had to produce product because we just needed to you know mm. for financial reasons or whatever so we, we wanted to have a slate yeah, you know, well, it's not a guaranteed number of movies we structured the, the company on an economic level so that we could be very choosy about what we make and when we make it because we want to be content driven first and I think there, you know, that's very again, that's very unusual. Normally, studios get set up with from the point of view of a financier who's like, okay, here's the amount of money I'm going to put in. Yeah. I need this many movies released in this amount of time, and then we can make that much money if we, you know, etc. That's that's that becomes the model for how a studio is going to do business, mm. and that's that's totally driven by business. Whereas we structured everything to be driven by content. When we find the right projects that we're passionate about that that deserve to be made 
then we can move on them. Uh, and then the, the economic model of the company supports that rather than vice versa. Oh, fantastic. You're clearly very, very busy. You're focused on uh, Affinity War and whatever Avengers 4 is going to be called. And you're f- and you've got the studio as well. Do you get a chance to see other films? I mean, you mentioned there, Joe, that you, know, you have to be aware of what Deadpool is doing, of what DC are doing. So are you looking at Justice League and going, oh, hang on, there's superficial similarities plot-wise between them and us. How do we, we make we sure we see some of it? You yeah. know, it's just really dependent on time, frankly. I mean, we are... We, we are, see a lot of it yeah. late, too. We see know? a lot I of mean, it. And particularly, I would say, in the last... You, you, we are voracious. You know, we consume media at a voracious rate, but the past year and a half has been kind of an we exception. We much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, but, uh, you, know, we, you know, if somebody points out there's something that's a similarity, I mean... You know, I would just go, well, this is a story that we're interested in telling and we have different yeah. characters and, you know. Yeah. Uh, um, so we tend not to get caught up in that. You know, yeah. we just try to just bear down and put blinders on, which is why sometimes it's good not to see other things. Uh, <laughs> it's just, uh, just so you just, you, you, there, there is no, there is no corollary whatsoever. Yeah. Um, but um, we did get a chance to see Wonder Woman, loved it. Kids mm-hmm. loved it. Uh um, got to see Black Panther in the theater, which was awesome. Uh, you know, so it's, it's yeah. rare, but we do. Uh, but but you're not you're not pivoting based on what you've seen. I mean, for example, I think a lot of people expected the phenomenal success of Black Panther to impact uh, Infinity War directly. We were we were already locked picture. I mean, yeah. we were you know, it's like we already made all of our choices. We we had an affiliation for Panther because we worked with him on Civil War and we knew Ryan was going to knock that thing out of the park. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so our expectation was we had already built a large part of our storytelling around Wakanda and Black Panther. So uh, there was, you know, there was no way to pivot, frankly. I mean, you know, how are we going to do it in six weeks before we had to release the movie? <laughs> you don't know, just uh, shoot Jadwick on a, on yeah, a green screen, right. just yeah, stick right. him into every yeah. frame. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, giving, a, just, giving a speech. <laughs> yeah, giving a speech. <laughs> Or just maybe tucked away behind a sofa, yeah. Yeah. you know, spot the uh, spot the Black Panther in this sequence. That'd be amazing. As ever, it has been an absolute blast. Uh, thank you so much indeed, and uh, look forward to the spider special. Thanks All right, so thank much. you. It's legally binding. Pleasure, legally binding. Thank you. Legally <laughs> binding. Brilliant, Joe Anthony. Okay, thanks. Thank Take care, man. Okay, time now for the reviews section of the show. And that was review section of the show. Thanks very much for joining us. Uh, was there anything to talk about this week? I think there might be. There might be. Uh, there's a very good uh, independent film called Beast. Beast. Should we talk about Beast? Yeah, probably should. This Can is you... Marvel's Beast. It's the <laughs> no, no, uh, tale no. of Dr. Hank McCoy. No, no, no. This is uh, Jessie Buckley uh, starring role. Um, she is a young woman called Mole. She is. Uh, she was a troubled teen. She's still kept mm-hmm. very, very close by her parents, especially her very controlling mother. And. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, she keeps trying to rebel against this and uh, one night is either at a club, picks up a guy, he gets a little bit too, you know, aggressive with her. Yep. But he's scared off by a newcomer, played by Johnny Flynn. Johnny Flynn. Yes. And uh, and she and this this guy strike up a relationship and, and an uneasy, uh, you know, slight power struggling, is he good for her, is he bad for her kind of relationship. Yeah. And meanwhile, there are murders. Murder, murder, murders going on on the island of young women and yes. you're worried can we trust him mm. is he safe is something else going on if so what it's it's a bit of a mind game who's the beast who is the beast what is the beast indeed uh, so yeah this is a uh, really really assured stuff this is from director Michael Pierce uh, very much a two-hander between Jesse Buckley and Johnny Flynn it's uh, this one will definitely keep you on the edge of your seat and it's a really low budget British film, very, very assured, very, very gripping, great performances throughout, and I'll keep you guessing 
uh, right up or to or until very near the end. Uh, we gave this four stars, and obviously it is called Beast, but it's a very tiny beast next to <laughs> another movie that may be out this week. What? But there's another film. I think there is another film, um, and you know, if if you are in the mood for something slightly different and maybe well. supporting British cinema at the same time, then mm-hmm. go and check out Beast. Four stars. Four, four stars. stars then for Beast, and that is it for this week's reviews <laughs> section. Definitely now, there's nothing else to talk about. Um, Maybe check your notes there, Chris. Just make sure that we've covered everything before we move on. Okay, no, I'm mean, just yeah, just have a quick look here. So yeah, okay, we, so we did the question, did the question, question, yeah, yeah premiere news, thing yeah. that was good. Um, interview, Sky Cinema stuff, yeah, mm-hmm. Sky uh, interview, Russo's movie news. Did we, news did, we, did, we, did we do movie news? Yeah. We did yeah, movie news. news. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Then we got to the refuse section. Oh, I haven't mentioned. Um, no, that's everything. Oh, yeah. All right, oh no. Infinity War! Hooray! How did I forget? <laughs> oh, my word. Uh, so, yes, Avengers Infinity War came out. You've probably already seen it, so you've probably already formed your own opinion. We will be doing our own spoiler special in this, Russo and Marcus and McFeely free. But I can say, hopefully, fingers crossed, down the line we'll be able to do something with those guys. Uh, but this is, of course, the 19th film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And this is where it's all been built into. This is the grand smorgasbord. Siri has just said, I'm not sure I understand. Siri has clearly not read on my watch. I don't know what I've said to trigger Siri, but she said, I'm not sure I understand. Siri, you need to see the previous 18 films <laughs> in the Marvel Cinematic Universe to really understand. This brings them all together, all of them. Uh, Iron Man. Hulk, Star-Lord, the Guardians of the Galaxy, Gamora, uh, Black Widow, the Captain of the Americas, all of them, they're all together. Black Panther, Hulkly, Hulky Damas, uh, that guy, they're all here because they have to stop the strange doctor, Mr. Doctor, that's his name. They have to stop Thanos, who is Josh Brolin in a uh, mocap onesie, from getting the Infinity Stones. And if he gets all the Infinity Stones, then that's Yahtzee, and that's bad for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And indeed the universe. And indeed the universe. Uh, so that's the story. Uh, join <laughs> us next true? week for... <laughs> <laughs> and this is tricky, because we can't go too much into spoilers, no. but... No, definitely not. No spoilers. Uh, people who listen to this podcast will know that I we have been anticipating this film for quite some time. Did it live up to expectations? Yes. It did. I'm going to, as as I like to think, I'm I'm slightly more balanced than the two of you in <gasps> in terms of Marvelness. While I like Marvel, I'm not quite as you've you only know, sipped the Kool Aid. That's you exactly. <laughs> I haven't injected it into my veins as you two have. Uh, yes, it does deliver. I think on every level there is, uh, and I know reviews on this haven't been you know entirely positive across the board, but I thought this was amazing. Magnificent film, absolutely magnificent. So much so, the second the credits started rolling, I texted Disney and said, "I want to see it again. I'm coming again tomorrow morning." Um, what, did, what, did, what did Disney's reply? Did you just text? <laughs> did you just text Disney? Dear Disney, Disney at Disney.com. That's what I said. Dear Mickey Mouse, uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Mickey came back and said, "Fine." Let this guy in. Um, I honestly, I don't know what else this film could have done. I don't. I think all of my concerns were that it would be. Uh, too many people, not enough uh, material to go around, desperately mm-hmm. trying to cram in moments for everyone. A villain, I mean, because they have a, frankly, a very patchy track record, I think, on villains. Uh, you know, I worried that so much of this would rest on Thanos, and actually they delivered on all of it. I thought everyone had wonderful moments. I don't think anything felt forced. I thought it was wonderfully paced. I think they cram an incredible amount into two and a half hours. And I think Thanos is super. Superb. He's an incredibly sort of layered villain. He's sinister, he's powerful, he's intimidating, he's frightening, but he's also very 
if not human, then Titan. But he has uh, he has he has a sensitivity to him. You understand him. He's layered. His motivation is clear, if misguided. Um, and I really rooted for him. And I think this is you rooted. For I him. rooted for him, but not in what? a I you want him to win. Him. But I I felt uh, an empathy for him. Like I I had sympathy for thing, Thanos. You know, I wanted to see... I didn't want to see him die. You know, I wanted to see how he played out. And this is Thanos' film. So you must have been upset when he gets killed. Uh, <laughs> when his head, when his head, his falls, head falls off. Yeah, oh that, was, that was a very difficult moment for me. That's a fake Just, spoiler, fake news. It, yeah, that's, that's, that's not... So many surprises in this. So much stuff that we clearly can't talk about in this particular podcast. But mm-hmm. um, I would say... If you've watched the other Marvel films, you're already going to see this. It doesn't matter what we say. If you've seen no other Marvel films, it will make no sense yeah. to you whatsoever. This, 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 yeah. is, this is not the Marvel film to no, start with. It's 100% third that. act. Now, I do think that you don't have to have seen every single one. If you haven't mm-hmm. gotten around to Black Panther yet, yeah. you're not going to miss that much. It's fine. I think Caroline, um, Caroline Seedy, who uh, listens, and I'm probably mispronouncing your name, uh, surname Caroline but she actually pointed out on Twitter that the films you should watch Guardians 1 and 2 Thor Ragnarok Black Panther and Doctor Strange they're the five that you really and, and Civil War Civil War those are, the, those are the films you absolutely need to see to get a sense of the relationships and where yeah, people are in this movie yeah you that's it it's because there's there's no you know there's no introduction to anyone you are dropped into relationships and scenarios that are already ongoing and that's absolutely fine um, because as I said, you know they've had villain problems. I've often had problems with Marvel third acts as well, and yet this is one big third act, and it's like they saved all of the third acts for this film and then just dropped them on your head. Uh, it's it's absolutely incredible. Just the spectacle of it is amazing. So, yeah, loved it, and Helsing. I know Helen agreed because she was sitting next to me, <laughs> squeeing. Yes, how, how much squee did you uh, did you squee? All the squee. It went uh, all quite over me. quite a lot actually. Yeah, I, there was there was a lot of clapping at certain moments and uh, there may have been cheering at a couple of moments and um, definitely like punching my sister in the arm going can you see this look at it do you see um, yeah basically that it was uh, yeah I, I really had a very good time watching it all three times and you established a world record for review writing turning it around in what 45 minutes about that yeah which was incredible um, yeah, no, but it, I just think I just think it's so well put together, and uh, that, that sounds kind of cold. It sounds like I'm kind of damning it with faint praise, but it was like just an, as an as a marvel of engineering. This is the Eiffel Tower. Do you know what I mean? This mm-hmm. is one of those bridges across some un, uncrossable chasm. Uh, it is an, a marvel of engineering, but it is also um, a, a really lovely piece of storytelling. There are beautiful little character moments. I think mm. the this cast uh, that Marvel has built up over the years, with God knows how many Oscar nominations between them, and um, and just so much charisma that it, like it's it's dangerous. It's weaponizable charisma, mm. and they they all take tiny moments and make so much of them. Okoye being a great example, she is barely in the film. She's on screen maybe for five minutes total. Maybe mm-hmm, ten mm-hmm. Uh, at absolute Thank most. You, I think I, yeah, that's generous. And um, and she has like a three of of my biggest laughs in the film. Like she is hilarious. Mm. Um, and uh, you know you get, but you get that with everybody. Every time it cuts to yeah. a different group, I find myself instead of like you know, when Game of Thrones does that. Yeah, uh, Game of Thrones, you you cut from the wall to you know the King's Landing. You're like. Oh, and it takes you a minute to get back into <laughs> yeah, the King's yeah, Landing. You don't want to be taken away from where you were. Because you were really into mm. what was happening at the wall. Whereas here, it cuts from, let's say, somebody on Earth to, let's say, one of the Guardians. Again, not a spoiler. You're like, oh, cool. What are they up to? And yeah. I don't even like the Guardians that much. And yet, 
Yeah, it I is mean, just... we will dig into this uh, in a lot more detail. Yeah. We have set aside two hours for yeah. the spoiler special recording session tomorrow. Let's save it for that. And save it for the podcast. Save it for the podcast. And who knows if we go beyond that. We'll see how it goes. But uh, do send in your questions if you're here. No. No, because you'll be hearing this after we... Okay, forget that. Anyway... Uh, <laughs> We've already recorded it. Don't send in anything. Yes, don't don't send in anything. Uh, unless, of course, it's money. I will accept money and cake. Look at me, for the love of God. Your uh, weakness is cake. My weakness is cake. My weakness is also money, because then I can buy more cake. <laughs> uh, but I will say very, very quickly on this, I also had a blast with it. Uh, but I will say that I can see why this isn't getting across the board positive reviews, because it is so dense mm. and it drops you in. And I think a lot of film cr- critics are going into this not knowing what the hell is going on. And... That might ultimately reflect, I think, on you know, it's, it's why it's not getting across the board raves like Black Panther or Thor mm. Ragnarok did. Uh, this is a very, very funny film, but it's also a very, very intense film. It's yeah. a very, very mm. serious film, probably the most serious in the the stakes are high. There are, shall we say, can we say there are casualties? There are casualties. Let's just leave it at that. But all that, I had an absolute blast with it. I don't know that I love it as much as the other Avengers movies. And I realise that I'm pretty much out of whack because I really like Age of Ultron and most people don't. But uh, I need to see it again. You're seeing it again tonight? I've seen it again tonight I, for the spoiler special. But I, with movies like this, it tends to take me two or three goes round. Mm. Didn't love Civil War when I first saw it. Now it's in my top five. Didn't love uh, Black Panther when I first saw it. Now I do. So it does take a little while. I think sometimes because we go in overhyped, it can be a problem. And I yeah. think with, because um, I want to agree with you slightly, on mm. Age of Ultron and Civil War, um, in both cases, I felt like I was seeing the gears move. And in this one, I didn't have that feeling so much. I felt like it was smoother, even though there are uh, uh, 10 times as many gears, mm. y- you know. Um, so I, I thought it was better than either of those in that respect. But I can absolutely see that, that people would have the same criticism because it, it does have the same yeah. issue that they had, which is just so many moving parts. Yeah. Mm. So if, you, if you are in any way an agnostic about the MCU, this is not the film for you. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It is a crossover event without crossover appeal. Okay. Uh, right. But, Fantastic. So, but yes, but uh, but brilliant. But brilliant. we give it five stars. Five stars. Five stars. Which is very much a recommendation. It is indeed a recommendation. And uh, that is it. That's it for this week's Empire Podcast, brought to you by Sky Cinema. Join us next week for more film-related fun. We will be joined by the stars of Netflix is The Alienist, Dakota Fanning, Luke Evans, and Daniel Brühl, Simo himself, Simo. Uh, until that auspicious occasion, it's goodbye from James. Bye-bye. It's goodbye from Helen. Toodaloo. And it's goodbye from me. I'm off to clear my schedule ahead of recording the Infinity War spoiler special. I've just freed up the rest of April. I suggest you do the same for the purposes of the listening. Thanks very much. Bye.